Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works show. My name is Jefferson Fenner. I will be joined later in this podcast by Chuck Smith. Uh, we will be tackling the two games that Bayern Munich had played in the last week, the first English week of the season, where on last Saturday we played RB Leipzig. This Wednesday, we played Red Star in our first match of the Champions League campaign for this season. And then after that, we will go ahead and look at some of our fans' questions in our segment, Ask BPW. Now, Chuck will be bringing us the recap in the After 90 Minutes section covering Red Star from Belgrade. But I will be going ahead and tackling the After 90 Minutes following the game last Saturday. The first of Bayern's Bundesliga campaign ever since the previous international break. And it came against a very tough opponent in RB Leipzig, the team that is currently at the top of the table with 10 points. So, looking back on that game. First goal came for Bayern Munich just a couple of minutes in, just three minutes in. And already, uh, that goal from Robert Lewandowski came after a beautiful through ball from Thomas Müller right through the Leipzig back line who was apparently like napping or resting or something like that because they obviously didn't seem like they were interested in challenging Lewandowski for this potential ball. It got tucked right underneath the outstretched arms of Peter Gulashi, and three minutes in, Bayern Munich had the lead 1-0. Robert Lewandowski has scored in every match for Bayern Munich so far this year, extending his streak of goals this season, so he's been doing an excellent job for this team, and... uh, I'm glad that he goes to uh, to the good, but unfortunately, that was Bayern's best chance in the first half, uh, and probably their best chance throughout the entire game, seeing as they were that was the only goal that they scored. Uh, just before the end of the first half, though, there was this really, really dumb-looking challenge from new left-back Luca Hernandez, who came in strong and basically dragged his back leg as he was going in to challenge uh, the ball being dribbled into the Bayern box by Yusuf Poulsen. Uh, he clipped Poulsen with his back leg. Poulsen went down. Could be argued that he went down a little easily, but after watching that play again, I I don't know. I would have called that a penalty, and uh, so did the referee who pointed right to the spot, and Emil Forsberg sends it to the right just above the outstretched arms of Manuel Neuer to tie it just before the half. And this was really a tale of two halves because while Bayern Munich came out in the first half dominating possession and dominating pretty much every aspect and every facet of the game... Leipzig really took control in the next half, putting up a whole bunch of really, really good shots, uh, being very physical and forcing the Bayern defense to come out and challenge them. Uh, Leipzig finished this game with 12 fouls and four yellow cards to Bayern Munich's four fouls and two yellow cards. And Leipzig 
interestingly enough, only finished with three corner kicks, which uh, is shocking considering how good they are from set pieces. But uh, the two best chances that they had was this attempt in the 50th minute from Nordi Mukiele. Uh, The shot came incredibly close to going in. He shot it from the right curling it from right to left. Uh, It needed the outstretched arms of Manuel Neuer to just barely get a fingertip on it because this thing almost looked like it was about to go in, but it did not. Neuer was able to get that save in. And then just a couple of minutes later, Marcel Sabitzer tried this beautiful shot from about 30 yards out, kind of curling top left. It looked like it had a little bit of a knuckle shot on that. Uh, Neuer needed to go out and save that. He kind of saved it with his forearm, just going to show how hard of a shot that was. Uh, And then Bayern's next best opportunity to try and score a goal was right at the death of everything. A free kick found the head of Nicolas Sula, who sent it back in, and it almost went in the goal in and of itself. It went over the arms of Peter Gulashi, and it went behind him. Uh, He kind of got a couple of fingers on that one, but it went over his shoulder and the ball landed right in front of Robert Lewandowski, who was running in and Golashi would not have been able to save that one at all. But uh, Lewandowski came in a little bit too early. He kind of mistimed his run. Uh, He tried to make an attempt on that ball and he missed Uh, And with that, that was it. And the game finished 1-1 in a draw. Final overall statistics, 68% possession for Bayern to 32% for Leipzig. Uh, 14 shots for Bayern, 7 on goal, 12 shots for RB Leipzig, and 5 on goal. As the table currently stands, RB Leipzig are on top with 10 points out of 4 games and a plus 7 goal difference. Bayern Munich have a plus 8 goal difference, but they only have 8 points in 4 games played. So, looking back on it, of course it was a missed opportunity for both teams, but it also wasn't really the worst result uh, that either could have imagined. Both of them knew coming into this that this was going to be a very tough competition. Uh, Leipzig wanted to try to take as many points as they possibly could to try to put a little bit of distance between us and Borussia Dortmund uh, and trying to go ahead and cement themselves as the real challengers to the Bayern Munich dominance this year as the real team to beat but uh, that didn't really happen as a result of this game and of course Bayern wanted to go ahead and try to knock Leipzig off their pedestal and reclaim the uh, first position that they've been so accustomed to but despite neither of those things happening both teams did look pretty impressive Bayern Munich came out and really like I mentioned dominated that possession the one thing that I would say though was this was a pretty hacky game from both sides there were two yellow cards one from Lewandowski in the 26th minute and one from Jerome Boateng in the 57th if you look on the opposite side of the field RB Leipzig was a lot worse like I mentioned they had 12 fouls this game they had four yellow cards distributed to Marcel Halstenberg Christopher Nkuku uh, Conrad Leimer, and finally Marcel Sabitzer just towards the very end, which gave Bayern Munich that free kick. So 
looking at it, if I was a Bayern Munich fan, of course I am. Uh, I'd be a little bit disappointed, but I also don't think that this is the end of the world. Like I mentioned, uh, there's some pretty tough games ahead of the schedule for Bayern as well as Dortmund and Leipzig. So a lot of opportunities for that Leipzig team to potentially slip up and make some mistakes. So I'm not overly concerned. I think Bayern has a little bit more longevity than any other team. And that's not considering the fact that this Leipzig team may... Uh, advance in the Champions League and we don't know exactly how they would fare in terms of having to deal with that long-term stress. It is a bit of a young team that they have, so they are growing and they are developing at a very reasonably good rate, which is great for Leipzig, but again, the Champions League experience may be a little bit daunting to them. So with that, that'll wrap up the review of RB Leipzig, and Chuck will have the review of the first Champions League match of the year against Red Star right after this break. Welcome back, and now we go to Chuck's take on Byron's first UEFA Champions League game against Red Star Belgrade. Chuck, take it away. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, I would say the Red Star game went exactly as we thought it would go. I mean, it really wasn't competitive in any way. Red Star really was overmatched talent-wise, depth-wise, speed-wise, and skill-wise. It was very interesting to see, though, that they did cause Byron a lot of frustration on the offensive end. I mean, granted, they did employ kind of a parked bus within the box, which really seemed to give Bayern a lot of fits. But like we've seen so many times uh, through the years in this instance, eventually Bayern was able to break through. And Bayern's superior talent, I thought, really did an excellent job of staying patient, not getting overly frustrated, and eventually being able to, to find the back of the net. And it was very interesting to, to see that it was Ivan Perisic who really created the first goal, which Kingsley Coman headed in. Uh, Perisic, I thought, was excellent in the game. He did a phenomenal job of creating offense, and he's looked really dangerous. It's been uh, His acquisition has been one of the real bright spots so far. Uh, I think when it went down with Perisic, uh, people were very skeptical of the rationale for bringing him in. But he has absolutely filled a great role as a reserve winger who can come in and affect games. And he's done just that. I mean, I really couldn't be happier uh, with his performance thus far with Bayern. But later in the game, we saw Bayern break through again with Robert Lewandowski. And he just willed his way to a goal after so many opportunities, so many missed shots, so many misplayed balls or bad touches. Lewandowski just powered his way into the net, uh, got a Barely got a flick on the ball and just put it past the Red Star goalkeeper. That gave Bayern a 2-0 lead. And, of course, the, the final goal was the the beautiful play between Thiago Alcantara and Thomas Muller, well, where uh, Thiago uh, gently chipped the ball over the wall and, and Muller just flicked it into the net. It was a typical Thomas Muller goal. Great play by Thiago. But I think what this game ultimately did was show the rest of the Champions League feel that Bayern is for real. This Bayern team is a little bit different. They have depth. Uh, They have some scoring ability in a lot of different places. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Serge Gnabry came on as a sub in this game. And he's 
probably a first-rate winger on a lot of teams. So I think that Bayern ultimately in this game was able to battle through Red Star and get the result that they wanted because they are just way more talented. Uh, Red Star, I give them a lot of credit. They knew they were overmatched. They came into this with the philosophy that they were going to have to try and slow Bayern down and frustrate them. And they did that for a long time. It was a very successful strategy. It kept them competitive for most of the match, but eventually they just wore down. Uh, moving forward, I think that Byron's in a terrific spot. Uh, you know, we put a lot of focus here on who Nico Kovac starts and how he aligns them. I think in this game, you know, while it did, it wasn't always pretty, he did, uh, you know, do a good job of setting the players up to be able to combat what they were up against. And, you know, I, for one, have hammered him on his subs, but I think that he got them right in this case. Uh, bringing on Javi Martinez for Quarantine Toliso, I thought was, was a very smart move. Uh, Javi Martinez has, you know, been <laughs> gathering dust on the bench all season. And Toliso, he's just not himself right now. You can tell he's still trying to regain that ability and that confidence in his knee. But this is the exact kind of game where you need him to play. It was kind of low pressure, even though it was Champions League. Byron was a heavy favorite. He needs that field time to regain that confidence. So I was okay with Toliso starting and Martinez coming in as a substitute. But I think if this was a match against Tottenham, I think it would have been reversed. I don't think we would have even seen Toliso at all. Um, you know, as far as the Muller and Coutinho kind of controversy, I mean, I think it's widely known. I think Muller is kind of getting screwed in this deal in a way because he hasn't done anything to lose his position. Now, Coutinho's a very skilled player. I mean, he's a great player. You can't knock him, but I don't see any way this is going to work out and remain harmonious in the long term, especially because Muller has been very good this season. So for me, it's kind of off-putting that he would just get benched for no reason. I don't think that Coutinho has done anything so great to warrant pushing Mueller right to the bench after Mueller's been having a very solid season so far. Uh, I was very disappointed to see that. I'm imagining that Kovac is going to rotate these two to the point where one or both of them get thoroughly annoyed. And, and you know, there have been some... Reports floating out that Kovac cannot see a way where Muller and Coutinho play together. So to me, I'm looking at this and it just looks like this is headed for a meltdown at some point. I'm not saying that this Red Star game was the, uh, the genesis of that, but I think we're starting to see some of the foundation being laid for one or both of these guys to be unhappy with their playing time. Everyone is really talking nice right now, but you know, in the end, they both are going to want to be on the field. And right now, Muller is producing and Coutinho has performed well. So uh, Niko Kovac is going to have to find a way as he gets into these important games to, uh, to, to work with both players and hopefully maximize the output that both can provide to the team. So uh, yeah, for Red, for Red Star, Jake, I was very pleased I think it was a great result, and I think that Bayern is on a good path in the Champions League. I think they're really going to make some noise. Thanks for that, Chuck. We'll be right back after this, and we will get into Ask BPW after these messages. Welcome back. 
And now we will move into our segment, Ask BPW, where we go ahead and take a look at the questions that were posed to us on Twitter. And remember to always pose your questions to us using the hashtag AskBPW. So our very first question comes from Mia San Bayern. Really, you can't come up with a better username than that uh <laughs> ask PPW, why does byron continue to give up so many goals against the run of play um good question <laughs> i i i don't know um i mean it's hard to it's hard to really determine that right um i imagine that some degree of that may have to be attributed to the endless rotation that we have which isn't necessarily a bad thing right we have a whole bunch of very good very capable defenders and as a result the back line needs to be rotated from time to time and i imagine that while that gets people out it also results in a lack of chemistry developed on the back line. So you'll take a look at last year, that back four was almost always solidified. And even when you replaced Sula for Boateng, you still had it solid. But now you have a constant rotation with a whole bunch of players that are capable of playing in different positions with Luca Hernandez being able to go from center back to left back. Same with Pavard from center back to left back or right back. And then Sula as well. And then Boateng and then Kimmich and then Lars Lucas Mai on the bench. So I think that may be a very small aspect of it. But in terms of that, I have no clue. Chuck, do you have any ideas? I mean, I guess my biggest theory would be that the offensive-minded, I guess, presence of all the players on the pitch tends to affect that. When you have outside backs like uh, David Alaba and Joshua Kimmich pushing all the way up the field and you're essentially your defensive midfielder most of the time is Thiago, uh, he's also very offensive-minded. It does leave you open and susceptible for counterattacks. I think that's one of the primary primary reasons that Niko Kovac has opted to place Kimmich back at the six. Although, like I said, he's so offensive-minded, he tends to abandon some of those defensive responsibilities. So a lot of weight gets put on the center backs to try and stay back and cover for everyone else. And I think in the first half of last season, we really saw the team struggle with that. And it wasn't until, I guess, around mid-January to February that we saw some of that solidified. And we also saw Nico Kovac start to lean on Javi Martinez more just because of how stable he is as a defensive midfielder. When you have such good offensive talents like Kimmich and Alba at outside back, it would be wrong to try and restrain them and prevent them from pushing forward. The problem is it just leaves you so susceptible for those to those counterattacks. And, you know, Bayern has struggled with that. And everybody remembers it was Kovac himself who did this with Eintracht Frankfurt and really exposed Bayern in the DFB Pokal a couple of years ago. So it's an ongoing issue. I'm sure as this season goes along, Kovac is going to be strategizing different ways and different alignments, different formations to try and prevent this. But, you know, I really think it's an ongoing issue that they're really going to have to continue to monitor. And I also think that's a reason why they've invested in Luca Hernandez 
and Nicholas Sewell as the center backs just because they are two very fleet of foot central defenders. So even Benjamin Pavard, when you throw him into that mix, he's very quick for a center back slash outside back. So I really do think, you know, the team has acknowledged that this is an issue, but they've also started to take some preventative steps. It's just a matter of time. And some of the things you touched on, Jake, with getting used to each other and giving Kovac, you know, what he needs, the time that he needs to implement his system and, and have it evolve over the course of the season. But I'm not overly worried about us giving up goals against the run of play because it is, again, very early in the season. Wouldn't you agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this is a situation like we saw last year. It will get better. And I, I, I'm not overly concerned where it will become you know a concern is if they match up with Liverpool again in the Champions League at some point it might be concerning then all right now somewhat related to that is this next question from at DK pops 04 why is Lars Lucas mine getting first team time uh, I'm going to go back to my answer for the previous question. We have a lot of very good center backs. And it's not to say that Lars Lucas Mai isn't, right? But uh, we also don't know how long the season will be and what kind of toll that would take on um, on the rest of the team, right? We don't know whether or not any injuries could pop back up. So that's probably why we didn't loan out Lars Lucas Mai. And also why, again... He's not getting first team time because you look at the Bayern depth chart and ahead of him, there are four people that can easily play center back, right? Pavard, Hernandez, Boateng, Sula, right? He's tall. He's not that great on the outside. So now there's another thing that needs to be taken into account, and that's the David Alaba injury. But... He doesn't play outside. Luca Hernandez does. He can slide over to the left back. I imagine the starting four for now until Alaba gets healthy would probably be something along the lines of Pavard or Hernandez because Pavard can also play left back. And then Sula, Pavard, and then then swapping them off would be Boateng and then Kimmich at right back, right? So you've got all these very talented world-class players, right? (laughs) Right? Not to mention, right, three of those people ahead of him have won World Cups. So Lars Lucas Mai behind those players sounds about right. And you can't can't play five, right? We we aren't playing five in the back yet. We're playing a 4-3-3, and apparently that's so um, nuanced to everybody at Bayern Munich that all of you in the comments sections of everything and on Twitter for everything are going insane because a 4-3-3 is so astronomically different. But uh, imagine, <laughs> and I'm saying that because I'm alluding to like imagine if Kovac decided to play his 352 right would all of Bayern Twitter just burn to the ground at that point I don't know but uh Chuck when do you when do you think we'll see uh Lars Lucas Mai on the first team it's going to be a while I mean frankly Bayern has an embarrassment of riches at center back right now uh you know it's one of those you know, people call it a good problem to have. I don't necessarily feel the same way at times just because I feel like 
when you have a roster, you you need to make sure that people are happy. You need to make sure they're getting playing time. And and with Lars Lucas Mai, he needs to he needs further development. So I, I don't mind him playing as much with the Bayern reserve team this year. He's in a very similar situation to Chris Richards. Both of those young players are excellent prospects. Both could probably start on many teams in the Bundesliga right now. Uh, the problem is, like you said, Jake, there's just an embarrassment of riches with you know, four quality center back options in front of them. And if you throw in Javi Martinez and his ability to drop back and play some center back as well, I mean, pushing my up to the first team right now in a starting role or even getting any field time isn't a priority for Nico Kovac. Now that said, I mean, we could see Jerome Boateng exit in January. There's been a lot of transfer talk and whispers about him still wanting to leave, uh, you know, and it's also a, a, you know, what could be a preventive measure in having someone like Mai around just in case Luca Hernandez, you know, his bulky knee acts back up or someone else goes down and it causes a shift for Pavard or Kimmich. There's a lot of different things that could go down. The important thing is for Bayern is that they do have two good young options in Lars Lucas Mai and Chris Richards that they can bring up if they need to. And I'd like to see, frankly, both of those two kids get some time this year. I just don't know how it's going to happen given the way the roster is currently made up. It's just there's a lot of talent right now. And that talent needs to be on the field at some point. So, you know, this is a headache for Nico Kovac to deal with. How do you manage developing those younger players and getting them first team minutes when you have such good veteran players? And moving on to our final question for today. These are a whole bunch of defensive centric questions. And Chuck, I'm going to have you go ahead and tackle this one first. Uh, from at MRRF1. Who do you want to replace Javi Martinez uh, from outside of the club? Now, this is this one was an easy easy question to me when I when I saw it. One name popped into my head right away, and he's a German international, plays for Hertha Berlin, and I would go with Nicholas Stark because he gives that versatility and flexibility that Nico Kovac craves out of his players. Uh, Stark can play the six and he can play it effectively. He's tall, he's fast, he's strong, but he can also drop back and play a a center back role as well. Kovac really, really loves that in a player. A player that he can interchange at multiple positions and be able to use different ways is something that he really likes. So I would go with Stark and it doesn't hurt that he's German. He's got a couple of international teammates with Byron already. So that is definitely a name that I would look at and try to pursue. In my mind, it's kind of hard to make this decision because Stark is a very good player. Um, I don't want to get Kai Havertz to play at the six because Kai Havertz is a great attacking player so I'd rather have him at an eight but at the same time I wouldn't want to bump Tiago down to a six because he controls the play in the midfield to me I look at a youngster like uh Mario Roca which we who we went after uh or who we were linked with over the summer from RCD Espanol uh at Barcelona uh so He's a young player. He has time to develop. And 
again, we're linked with him. He's keen on coming to Bayern, potentially, reportedly. So I would look at him. And the other thing that I would like to, I guess, add on this one is I I agree that Nicholas Stark would easily be able to uh, replace that uh, role that Martinez currently occupies, uh, though I will add that I don't think that Stark would fit in terribly well at Bayern Munich. I imagine that he would fit better at a Dortmund or a Leipzig or somewhere along those lines, and I think that he would appreciate at least... If I was the coach at Bayern, I would want him to develop out a little bit more before we pursued him. And I know that kind of sounds like a contradiction because I just said that I wanted to go get uh, Roca, and he is definitely um, he's definitely not as ready, even as ready as Stark. But the point is that Roca is a little younger. And I would rather invest the extra couple of years developing Roca than I would in taking in Stark, who's towards the end of his development as a player, and then try to finish him out at Bayern. I would much rather have him see. I would much rather see him do that somewhere else. So on that note, I think that's good of a place as any to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for joining me, Chuck. You can find Chuck on Twitter at The Barrel Blog. You can find me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. And you can find all of the latest and greatest German and Bayern Munich soccer content on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks and online every day at the blog at BavarianFootballWorks.com. So for all of us here at the Podcast Division, thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, follow, and share, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. And later today, we will be releasing our Dare Ausblick episode covering the upcoming game against FC Cologne. So until later today, when we release that, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.